I'm so excited about today's show because I've got all these really creative women on, um, starting with Cheryl Gerber, who is a phenomenal photographer. And she's kind of um, a storyteller, as we all are in New Orleans. She tells stories about um, our life and about our women. And she has a book that really uh, digs into that. And she's going to tell you about that. Anita Oubre is many things also. And, and she I noticed the first word she said was grandmother. But um, she's also a baby doll. And oh, my God, what would New Orleans be without our baby dolls? So um, we're going to we're going to talk about um, the creativity of our women in New Orleans and, and how um, Mardi Gras and our, our street culture, our second lining, our Mardi Gras Indians, um, our balls, and all of that is affected by our women, uh, but how we also affect the city in a more socio-political way as well. Let me start with Cheryl, because Cheryl, you're the one who kind of put that all that together, you know, the combination of, of both um, uh, the broader context of women and also our role in, in, in shaping Mardi Gras. So, Tell me how you got started thinking about this and, and photographing. You're such a legendary photographer. Uh, it's been almost every day in The Advocate, but uh, doing so much beyond that. So um, yeah. Well, give well thank you. I, um, I got the idea for the book while I was shooting the Women's March back in uh, January, 2017. If you remember that, um, I'd photographed a I lot of I was protests. I'd never seen that many people come out and protest in New Orleans for anything. And, you know, I, I got home and I was looking at the photos and it made me cry thinking that all these women and their partners and children were out there marching for women's rights. And I, I thought, you know, I don't think anything's ever been done about anything, any of the women in New Orleans, like a book about New Orleans women. So I started Googling um, New Orleans, uh, notable New Orleans women. And a regular site came up on Wikipedia of notable New Orleanians. And I started scrolling the list. And outside of Ellen DeGeneres and Leah Chase and Irma Thomas, it was 90% men on the list. And I, I, I realized like women have not gotten their due. So I thought I would first, I thought I would just highlight maybe 50 women. But then I started noticing that there were categories. You know, you've got socialites that are philanthropists. You've got business women. Then, of course, baby dolls. The resurgence of baby dolls was so huge over the last few years. I had to have a chapter on that. And Mardi Gras Indian queens have played large in um, the last few Super Sundays. Um, that I, I I just see a lot more of of women out there now than I used to 20, 30 years ago. So we put the book together and um, fortunately for me, women like Anita who do you know, so much for the community were you know, eager and willing to be involved with it. So we came up with this very nice book. That's great. And I love that cover. If that isn't baby doll, I don't know what it, what it is. So, so, but tell me about the process. And as you started to do that and talk with women and photograph them, uh, what did you learn? What was your takeaway? What what surprised you as you uh, started um, really communicating with so many women in the city? The the biggest surprise to me came um, is how underrepresented women have been, um, not just on with the street culture, but like with activism. You know, it was always 
whenever I would go to a public school, it was the women who were at these meetings and fighting for their children. You go to criminal justice um, meetings. It was always the women out there trying to fight for the children. And it just really surprised me how, how um, little women have been represented in the media, including in my own photography. When I started looking through my own photographs of assigned photos, I realized, yeah, I like to take pictures of beautiful women on the streets, but I hadn't been assigned that many photos of, uh, you know, women to be in newspapers and magazines like, like the men. So, and I wanted it to be uh, very inclusive. I even included some strippers in the book, some burlesque dancers, because I wanted it to be a broad range of everybody because a New Orleans woman is so many different things. And Anita can tell you, I mean, she's in baby dolls, mufaladas. Um, she works at a, a magazine, right? You work like... Yeah, I write for a Breakthrough Media magazine yeah. as a freelance writer. So. And you mentioned HR, so you do human resources also. So you have a serious professional responsibility. I think HR is kind of scary stuff. So I mean, it's, it's important. Fire, fire, and whatever comes in between those things. Uh, retention. Yeah, I'm in hospitality. I'm an HR director at a French Quarter hotel. I've been in hospitality and tourism pretty much my entire career. Started as a job in 20. Six years later. That's a career. Still here. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So, all right. So uh, let's talk about you for a, a minute, um, Anita. So a, a few minutes. Um, tell me how you juggle those different roles. Those are very different roles, you know, from the HR responsibility, which is, that's, that's uh, as they say sometimes in New Orleans, that's um, Serious as a heart attack. I'll never forget the first time I heard that expression. I think it was uh, Daryl Cezanne who said, I'm serious as a heart attack about this. I said, ooh, that sounds really serious. So I learned that expression. But so that's pretty serious stuff. And then on the other hand, um, you know, mafaladas and baby dolls, you, you, you can't get more um, free of the limits of the real work world, daily work world than that. Although, I mean, you have to organize that too, right? So that's, there's, there's work involved in that. So tell me about how you juggle those different roles. It's, um, well, you know, it, it, it's not only a Monday through Friday job, you know, I'm, I'm on call on the weekends and at night, you know, if an employee gets injured or, you know, something happens to one of the employees, I, I'm on call 24-7, um, but, um, you know, thank goodness for, for cell phones, um, they're little miniature computers, so I can work pretty much from anywhere, and, um, you know, after five, I, I design my costumes, and, and like you said, you know, it's a lot of organizing, organizing uh, events and parades, uh, I belong to uh, the Lady Rollers Social Aid and Pleasure Club as well. And we have a couple of big events that we do um, throughout the year. Uh, Muffaladas on Tuesdays at six o'clock, you will find me at a meeting every Tuesday, every Tuesday for the last 12 years. Um, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm meeting and dancing and organizing parades. Uh, I've served on the board for a number of years. Um, the board is called the Hot Plates. <laughs> 
<laughs> then I have my own baby doll group, uh, the Mahogany Blue Baby Dolls. And I also participate with 20 some odd other baby doll groups in the city. We come together under the umbrella of the Baby Doll Sisterhood. And we organize community service efforts. We celebrate one another with monthly birthday parties. Uh, we come together to enjoy one another, support one another, uplift one another, teach one another. And we're also bringing in um, the next generation of young girls and young women and teaching them you know, how to conduct themselves, how to um, apply for a job, how to um, you know, be a responsible young woman. So baby doll sisterhood. Good. That's what I thought you said. Okay. Um, so I, I okay, I, I get the, the the core people and I get the next generation of girls. What about a senior ladies who can't quite march a mile? But um, I, you know, lately my husband and I have been doing Mardi Gras with a um, what do you call the pedal guys? A pedicab. A pedicab. We we hire a pedicab. And we tool around the quarter in a pedicab and we catch the parade here and the parade there. And But uh, can't we have a, a, a senior, maybe I have to organize it, but I, I got too many other things I'm organizing. So I don't want to do it. Somebody else can do a, a baby doll. Um, and I don't even want to use the word senior. I have to think about this, but you know, something uh, with maybe um, pedicabs or um, some other vehicles where we could, you know, float like things that we could um, maybe, uh, you know, get, get in the action without having to march a mile. I couldn't do a march a mile. My back <laughs> is, is too crummy. We've actually used pedicabs for some of our elder baby dolls. We have women who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who are still active participants. Um, some of them can, can dance entire parades, but, um, there's also the pedicab. We've used that for decadence for a few of our ladies um, who cannot do an entire, you know, French Quarter um, parade. Um, also, when we get together at the second lines as uh, sisters on a Sunday, some of the women cannot do that entire four hours. So we'll meet up at different lounges and different stops um, uh -huh. to support the community effort. That sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah, and, and what we'll hang out together. And then those who can and are able to will we'll move on. But we plan a stop, you know, that way we yeah. can all get together. Um, you know, some of us are walking on canes now, but we, we still want to have a good time and we still want to participate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I always thought about um, starting a, a dancing crew for everybody over 60 and we'd call it the hot flashes. <laughs> I thought that would be... <laughs> I like that. That's a good Isn't that great? Uh, I'm well past that, but uh, <laughs> it still works. You know, we're, we're, we're flashes. Yeah. Well, I always look at, uh, if you look the at Anita's, flashes. yeah, there you go. If, if you look at Anita's Facebook feed, I, I swear, I have no idea where you get your energy because you post something every day about being out and dressed. I mean, you're out like 
dressed and I, I actually had to photograph the American Heart Association's Go Red ball the other day and I saw Anita oh, dressed up ball. oh my god ball, and she was the grand marshal dancer with the brass band I was like where does she have time to do all this okay but wait, look you just you just said something weird weirdly important okay so here's how it goes Tannen my husband Robert Tannen did a, a show called Red Art right and, and, and what it is, is it's consumer objects, everything from a typewriter and a television to a, a washing machine to uh, refrigerators. And they're all over our garden, which is now a sculpture garden. And um, this morning he's saying to me, you know, I really want to get somebody to perform, you know, some red, red music. Um, I wonder what I could do. So he gets on the YouTube and, and of course he finds right away girl in a red dress is, I forget the name of the singer. It's not somebody I'm familiar with, but so he's looking at that. I was talking to Dee Dee Bridgewater, who's a friend of mine and saying, you know, we're looking to do, he, he's told to her, he said, I want to do a red dress thing. And she heard that song and knew it was familiar with it. And then there's the stones, red rooster, dot, 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 <laughs> red rooster. And I said, Tanya, you know what the red rooster means, don't you? He said, no, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said, think about it for a minute. Okay, so um, I was literally, as we were getting on this call, thinking, well, you know what we need to do? We need to have a party in our garden during Mardi Gras, which is a red art costume party where everybody comes in red. And I'm going to do that because that's not hard to do. All I have to do is send out an invite to a bunch of friends and people I barely know and say, come in red. You know, we were doing it Saturdays from noon to four. I have to look at the, the Mardi Gras schedule and, and pick the right time. You have to tell me what's right. And, and just put it out there and just everybody, y'all come, we'll put out some, you know, gumbo and, and um, I don't know, the usual red beans and rice and some uh, drinks, some, uh, I red guess. Red wine. I like to do sangrias. <laughs> sangria's good. I'll come dance for you if I'm not already on a parade route. I'll come so dance we'll do a for you with a red oh, well, umbrella. Okay, uh, your internet or somebody's internet is a little unstable for a minute. I, I think we're okay now. Okay, yes. So um, I need to. I'll, I'll consult with you, uh, both of you and others, and 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 find that slot of time that works because. I need a party. I'm so, you know, we had COVID for Christmas. We've, we've had a little bit of brain fog. I'm trying to finish my strategic plan for the creative economy. That's driving me a little crazy because I don't have enough money and I'm just depressed over it. So yes, we're going to have a red art. I'm not sure what to call it yet. Red art party. And um, y'all are invited. You're the first to be invited. <laughs> and um, but it's just so funny that you said red ball. I had no idea there was a red ball. Oh, so, they were all dressed in red. That's for oh, sure. Man. Do you have pictures of it, Cheryl? Well, I don't have I don't have any handy, but I was going to show you. We've got from my book. We've got this is Scout Queen Lashime Brown. She's all in red. Oh my gosh, yes. And I know that we've got um, Erica Spreel, who used to be a Saints cheerleader. Oh, and then of course you have the uh, Amelia Earhart's. <laughs> oh, wow. Do they always dress in red? Yeah. And okay, well, I got to invite them, right? 
So they're, they're always wearing red. I have to find red. out when they parade. Oh, and, and then like, these, this is a double header of red. You've got the cherry bombshells and the femme fatales. Oh my God. That's all in red. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know Anita has red because she's got every color. <laughs> See, this is how things happen here, right? This yeah, is yeah. this is creative women in action. And, and this really says a lot about how things uh, work. All right, tell me, both of you, um, we're coming out of the pandemic. So I heard somebody, I don't remember who said this to me, but um, she was, oh, Dee Dee. Dee Dee Bridgewater is a singer, you know her, and she travels and she's been back on tour just lately, just started back on tour. And she said, I said, how's it going out there? How is it? She said, it is just not the same that there really is still a kind of pall on things um, as she goes out and performs. And, and Dee Dee, I don't know if you've ever seen her perform, she is an ultimate performer. She doesn't just sing, she performs. So for her to say that to me was a little bit, you know, sad to hear. So you tell me, as you've been experiencing already this season, and, and we're just getting into it, um, how do you feel about it? What, what, how is it? Is, is it still got a little bit of a damper on it? Are we coming out of it? I'm sure you're working hard to take, bring us out of it, both of you. Give me a little feeling for it. Well, for, you know, for me, it's just been really hard. This, this book came out literally three weeks before the shutdown. And, it, and Anita was there that night for the launch. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. All of those women, the diversity of women all in one place celebrating get meeting each other, getting each other's autographs, you know, it was, and especially the baby dolls, when you think about the baby dolls, women were not even allowed to parade at the turn of the century. And here they are signing autographs for some, like the ex-mayor and the, and all these politicians. It, it, it was really beautiful. And so for us to get shut down for two, literally two years, I have not been able to do any book signings or anything. And that's why I noticed when I went to the Treme sidewalk step steppers second line the other day, it did feel normal. It felt um, like I think people had just had enough of being cooped up and with the blue skies and the, it, it was just so beautiful. Okay, um, yeah. I just, I know that Mardi Gras is going to be a sacred, spectacular event this year because we have missed it so much. And um, I, I just can't wait to get back there. As far as my work, I just don't see my work ever coming back the way it did before. I don't think they're going to be big events like I used to cover, you know, so we'll see. Try to try to do some other things. Yeah, I mean, I got really busy in October and November and thought, oh, I'm back at work. And and then it, the Omicron came and everything kind of went down again. It's just really hard to have events indoors with that many people. I mean, even Anita was at the um, heart the go red ball. I don't know if you had to bring a negative test, but I had to take one right there on the spot. And, you know, you just got to wonder how long and how big these events will be. Eventually, I think we'll get back to it. But, you know, it won't be too soon for me. Here's my here's my prediction. And I have been on the conservative side on all of this. I, I went to an event in, in December, I tell everybody this, mid-December 2019, up to Arkansas for the opening of um, a project up there uh, similar to the Contemporary Arts Center. And um, 
of the, the opening of it. And um, I wore a mask on the plane. And, and this was December, I think, 17th. And nobody else was wearing masks yet because we, we barely knew there was uh, anything out there in December. But I, I, you know, I'm kind of a news junkie and a weather girl. And I, I just watch these things. And I, I, I didn't want to. And I figured, OK, I'm going to Bentonville, where the headquarters for Walmart. So people are coming from all over the world, especially from the Orient, from, you know, China and, and uh, Asian countries and say, you know, I'm going to wear a mask. Uh, you know, I'm just going to wear a mask. There was not another soul in that airport in Houston. And that was the other thing. The connection was through Houston. So I know I was going to run into people from internationally there. And um, I wore a mask. And then we didn't, we celebrated Mardi Gras on our porch, watching people go by on Esplanade in their costumes. Yay, hey, Mardi Gras, but not stepping off the porch. But I, um, I think that that second line was e enormous. The Treme second line was enormous. And um, I was just talking to Carolina Ga um, um, Gallup, who you had reminded me about, uh, Cheryl. And, um, and, I, and she was uh, you know, groaning a little bit about not having enough time to make costumes and, and ball gowns, but how she was being inspired by the people she was teaching. And she was thinking about Zulu. I said, OK, you need to promise me that you're going to do it. You make that gown and you go to Zulu. And Zulu, you can be sure. I saw them out, you know, yes, when they have the election stuff or whatever it is they do just before Mardi Gras on Broad Street. I pass it all the time. And they're all out. Every neutral ground was completely covered with, with um, you know, the big trucks and the, and the cars. I think it is coming back. And it will. I mean, you know, there have been plagues in, in all of human history. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about any plague in history that stopped Mardi Gras from parading. So um, I, I really feel we'll be back. Anita, you, you feel that way? Yes, it's, it's wonderful that um, Zulu is getting prepared for, for Mardi Gras. They took such a huge hit. You know, they lost so many members and we actually paraded with them um, in Zulu. Um, I guess that was 20. 2020, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we paraded with them. And then, um, you know, shortly thereafter, you know, so many people were, were dying. But I, I think we're, we're coming back, but um, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, <laughs> there, there are a lot of women uh, who are not going to parade, who are not going to participate because, you know, uh, underlying conditions, their health, um, they're gonna wait a little bit longer, you know, um, for the American Heart Association event. Yes, I had to test. I had to <laughs> test that morning, just like you did. Um, for our groups, you know, uh, we had our baby doll ball. This was our third annual uh, Mardi Gras ball for our baby dolls. And, you know, we required everyone to be vaccinated. Um, there were a couple of ladies who took the test right there so they could show us the results because they hadn't been vaccinated. Um, we've been very um, busy uh, getting everyone in the culture vaccinated. Um, early on, you know, we, we held the drives, we made the phone calls, we provided the transportation. Um, and and that, was, that was huge. But there's still a few stragglers who aren't vaccinated to this day. And, you know, in order to participate, they are taking those last minute tests. 
Mm. But um, I think it's going to come back. It's going to take a while. It's going to be different. Like Cheryl said, it's going to be different. It's different already. I think because, um, you know, my husband and I both did have our uh, Omicron uh, Christmas, you know, we, we, uh, we got hit and um, got through it. And we, we have, I have a little bit of lingering uh, symptoms, but I, I guess I feel uh, a little bit of a, um, it, it, I don't want to say it's cavalier and I don't want to say it's release, but I'm going out. I am, you know, I have not done Mardi Gras for the past two years, three. Well, is it three? No, two. But, um, you know, as of that, right after that December plane trip, I, I just hunkered down and, and, and have been hunkered down ever since. But I'm going to get out there. Um, I, I need to I need to find out. Can I, I'm white. OK, can I be a, a baby doll? You can be a baby doll. Can I? <laughs> I want to be a baby doll and I have a wonderful, incredible baby doll dress that I just happened to have from my New York days. You know, there was a designer who made this very sparkly, bright neon pink short dress. And, uh, you know, I've, I've looked at it several times and not had the guts to wear it, but um, I think with some black tights. Nice. Legs. <laughs> I could do it's, it. It's everyone has the, the spirit of the of the baby doll inside. I mean, the original baby dolls were black women in Black Storyville. You know, they they were sex workers. They were women who um, didn't have the means to support themselves any other way. And we pay homage to these women. You know, there's, there's two different legends. Not everybody believes the first baby dolls were prostitutes. So, I've heard I've, <laughs> I've heard that story more than once and, and read it. I, I think there, there's a validity to it. Prostitute might not be the right word, but um, sex workers might be the right word. Same thing. <laughs> but but, but other, the other legend, you know, uh, a lot of these women, their grandmothers were practicing baby dolls in the 20s and 30s, and they certainly were not sex workers. Yeah, so it's it's as everything else in New Orleans, it's complicated. <laughs> it's layers. We have lots of layers about everything we do. Um, Cheryl, so you're a little bit um, concerned that you may not see those big events. But yeah, um, I don't think so. I, you know, yeah. I've already had a bunch canceled for January and February. Um, so maybe, and then, and then we roll into the summer and I never have work in the summer because nobody does events in the summer because it's of the hurricanes and the heat. So it may be like going on my third fall before I get busy again. So, so here's, here's something I want you to think about. So, um, I got a grant recently to do a dance festival and the thinking behind this, aside from the fact that I'm actually a former dancer, but um, I was looking for a way of dealing with the issue of outdoor amplified music, which can be a problem in a residential neighborhood. And rather than just being opposed to it, I can't be opposed to live music outdoors in the city of New Orleans. You just can't be opposed to that. So I said, where's the solution? And I said, the solution is for us to work with the neighborhood groups and identify places where you could have uh, amplified music where it's not going to 
do harm. So it's it, finding locations that do no harm. So I kept thinking about, okay, how do I do this? How do I get this off the ground? How do I make it happen? And then the whole dance thing just kind of, I don't know, came back to me. Cause I, you know, I forget that I was a dancer cause I can't dance quite the way I once did when I was a, <laughs> both a practicing modern dancer and also for a few years ago, go dancer when I was first out of college in New York. Oh yes, I did that. Not in a cage just on the dance floor. I danced with, um, what's her name? The woman who was the star of fame. Do we oh, know what uh, Deborah Allen, Debbie Allen? Yes. It? No, it's yeah, yeah. She, that's right. Um, so she and I danced together uh, in a club called the Limelight in Lower Manhattan in, in the village actually. And uh, I always say I learned my moves from her, you know, so um, I, I was pretty serious into that stuff. At any rate, I think that um, outdoors, we have so many from like September through June, we have so many outdoor locations and we just have to be a little bit more intentional about using them for events and culture, music, art and and doing everything we can to um let me just uh get rid of this call them back later um i, I think that if we if we think about how to better use our little parks our little empty lots um our uh, but work with neighborhoods to choose them and 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 i think the idea of, again of spreading things out around the neighborhoods of the city is really really important that was talked about and happened a little bit during the pandemic. And now we just have to kind of, you know, um, develop that further intentionally. And I said, okay, let's find those spots and work with the neighborhood organizations that would be opposed normally to the um, uh, outdoor amplified music and, and see if we can't make it work. So my dance festival that I got a grant for, the first one is gonna be based on sort of, you know, our roots and legacy dancing. And, and, you know, the dance, we all dance in New Orleans like crazy, but we don't treat it like an art form the way we should. So, you know, we, we talk about music, we talk about food, we don't talk as much about visual art, we don't talk as much about theater, and we don't talk about dance as art. And so that's one of the purposes of this. And just as we were talking about doing this, that's when In the Heist came out. And I watched and I said, whoa, that's what I'm talking about. Can we do that here? Two weeks later, John Baptiste video Freedom came out. Have so you good. Seen that? Okay, is that not New Orleans? And that is the kernel of what we're going to do. So stand by for that too, ladies. But I, I'm looking forward. I'm running out of time. I've been talking too much myself. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm going to want you to come to our Red Art Party and um, dressed in red, please. And um, we're gonna figure out how to make that a, a real fun event. Maybe that'll be kind of one of the Kickstarters, although I, I gotta think hard about the music because I'm always complaining about the Degai house next door to me that has weddings every weekend. So I, I've got, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do the same thing. I gotta be respectful, we'll figure it out. Um, thank you so much for what both of you do. Cheryl, I've always loved your photographs. I am a little bit, uh, I hope you're gonna do some kind of an addendum someday and, and scoop up a few extra ladies that didn't get in there like me. <laughs> Volume two. Yeah. yeah. 
And Anita, um, I respect um, the responsibilities that you have, uh, both um, in your day job and in your um, fun job. And I appreciate that you are doing what you do. And um, I really look forward to, I'm gonna be calling you. I'm gonna get the contact information from Cheryl. I'm gonna be calling about um, getting into the baby doll thing. I, I gotta use that <laughs> dress, just put some black tights on. Yeah. Uh Happy carnival. Enjoy the season. <laughs> Thanks, Jean. That was fun. Thanks, Anita, for being available. <laughs> I, I appreciate you both uh, being available. And I, I really didn't know what I was doing this week because I was so distracted over the weekend. I, you know, just things that were going on. And um, I uh, appreciate you both participating and, um, and right now and, and always. So look forward to being with you soon. And Cheryl, you sent me pictures from your book. Oh, yeah. and uh, and and definitely some of that red stuff. And Anita, um, if you've got some pictures, I mean, I, I run a lot of stuff in my scenes section in our newsletter that we put out the day before the show. The show will air Friday at noon, by the way. And you know what? I'm going to use this as my clothes. I may have a little extra time in the show. And if I do, we're going to be playing some um, videos that uh, this wonderful photographer, cinematographer, William Sabrin, um, I don't know if you know him, uh, Cheryl, he's fantastic and he's Cuban and he's done a lot of footage of conga lines in Cuba. And I'm going to see if I can't pack those into the show at the end. Okay. So uh, I'm going to say goodbye to not just you guys, but to my audience uh, for Crosstown Conversations. This is Jean Nathan. And um, I look forward to uh, maybe some of you will turn up at our red party. Who knows? You know, it's right here. On <laughs> you can't miss us. There's a big red buoy out on the street in front of my house. Okay. That's the marker. <laughs> Happy Grow, everybody. Thank you. Happy Carnival. Happy <laughs> Carnival. Bye. All right, everybody. Now we're going to talk with um, one of my favorites. She's one of my favorite creatives. She's a designer an educator, um, oh my gosh, a hat maker, a stylist. I mean, she's uh, just a, a creative. She's a classic creative in the city of New Orleans. And um, I think she does a fantastic job. She actually did a wonderful um, evening uh, outfit for me, uh, not that long in the, in the past, and I wish I had more. Um, now my closet is kind of a, a mess with, with um, the pandemic. It's like, I never go in there, and so it's like, where is everything? I went to look for your top. I was going to put it on for the interview and I, it was too deep in there. Anyway, this is Carolina Gallup and um, she's, she's just a, a, a fantastic creative. Carolina, I first want to start asking you, how did you first get into doing fashion and um, design? And you probably were doing some other kind of design. One thing people don't know about creatives is that you all do a lot of things, not just one. So I don't know what else you did, but I'm sure you did a lot of other things. Well, I actually started ooh, many years ago when I was living in California. Um, I wanted to make a pair of bell-bottom pants and I went into LA Trek School of Design, Trade Tech College in downtown LA and said, I need to learn how to sew so that I can learn how to make bell-bottom pants. And of course, once I walked through that door, the teacher, Mr. Tortoise said, well, you don't just get to come in and learn how to make a pair of pants, you gotta learn the whole thing uh, from beginning to end. So I ended up taking some classes there and um, 
really getting a feel for, it's not something that I wanted to do, fashion design and more uh, computer programming, architecture, that kind of stuff is what I really enjoyed. Photography, which I also took classes in, and videography and stuff like that. But somehow I just jumped into it. And once I moved to New Orleans in 1996, I started sewing a whole bunch of clothes. And then my cousin said, you know, you should do fashion shows. And I said, I don't know a thing about doing fashion shows. So then I went over to the fashion cafe, which wasn't quite open yet, but they were building it. And they said, uh, and I said, uh, can you guys, um, is it okay if I did a fashion show here? Can you imagine the nerve of me just walking in and asking if I could do a show at the fashion cafe? That's when I had, I had a show. Um, so I, I ended up, you know, putting about 50 pieces together, finding hair makeup, grabbing and asking anybody in the street if they want a model and believe it or not, <laughs> put on a fantastic fashion show. We packed the fashion cafe up before it even opened, before the grand opening. So it was great. People yeah. really got to, my first fashion show ever was at the fashion cafe in New Orleans, which didn't last for so yeah. yeah but you inaugurated uh it so to speak at least in part yeah i i so I, when, when we came, you said when you came to new orleans you fell into doing sewing why well you know it was i got invited to a mardi gras ball oh. i knew i was going to hear the word mardi gras i'm from california and go well i was living in california at the time but i said a ball my my skirt was up to my thighs and my hair was down in my back. And I walked into this place and the lady looked at me with the ruler and goes, you know, your skirt's too short. You're supposed to be, she had a ruler and said, you're supposed to be this far off the ground, the hem of your skirt. And I said, what? what? So it happened to be the mayor's ball that he had invited us to. And he, he was at the door and he came and he grabbed us, and let us in. And girl, when I walked in that place with that little skirt on, they were like, I said, you know, I'm gonna fix y'all. Cause I got to look. I got a firsthand look at what these gowns look like from all these people that were dressed up really nicely. It was just beautiful. I'd never seen such beauty in fashion. And I thought, wow, my next show is going to be when I start making clothes, I'm going to make gowns, which is what I started to do. I started making wow. gowns and I got inspired by that. And I started with making my own purple gown, which I do have a picture of, Jean. I got to get your photo. You got to send that to me. So yeah, that's that's what really got me into it. And then I, of course, the Mardi Gras Indians, I mean, just everything. I just couldn't believe that people were dressing up and hiring seamstresses to make these gowns because there's no way they're all going to the to the stores. But then again, back then you had um you had these stores on Canal Street that carried beautiful gowns. Uh yeah, you had and Gus Meyer and yeah. Yeah, just a whole bunch. And so I I just I thought, well, okay, I'm gonna go in this store. What was it called? Uh, and they had all the fabrics. How can I forget? On um, on Canal Donald Street. Rod on uh, St. Charles. On Nana St. Charles on Canal Street. They had all these fabrics. Oh, that would be Krauss, probably. Yeah, Krauss. Oh, how can I forget? Lord forgive me. <laughs> I walked in there and looked at all these fabrics because they had a whole floor of fabrics. I almost died. And so I started buying up bolts of fabrics and unfortunately before they closed unfortunately they closed but fortunately for me I collected tons of beautiful beautiful fabrics which 
years later flooded in Katrina, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, I lost all the fabrics. And I must say that after the storm, after Katrina and losing all of my sewing machines and fabrics and everything that I had, I decided I didn't want to do shows anymore. There's no way I could start over, you know? And so I slowly but surely started again, but I didn't have the same enthusiasm because I didn't have those beautiful prints yeah. and fabrics in my hands anymore. You yeah. know, I had mojo, so I like to say. Which I but. knew you at the time because, you know, being from New York, I, I was a, an aficionado of all of the, the little dives in the, um, in the Lower East Side, where you mm. can also pick up all kinds of extraordinary fabrics uh, and vintage uh, fabrics as well. Uh, of course, I had some of my vintage fabrics stolen because oh. my, my husband once made an art piece out of them. He put them in glass bottles and had them in an art show and somebody uh, trucked off with most of them. And that, those oh. included all kinds of art deco clothes you know, real serious vintage clothes. Yeah. I, I, I would die to have still, but you pick yourself up and you find a new way to be creative, right? Thank God you have that creative thing. You can't drown that out. Yeah, you can't drown it out. And the only thing you could do is move forward. Even if you take a break from it, you go back to it. And I, I'd say I probably had one or two shows after Katrina happened, but now I just mainly sew for myself. I haven't been creating or as far as, putting on a big collection to do these shows because I we I found get you back out there Carolina you're too uh, you're too much of a talent to hoard that for just yourself I, I am going to I'm right now teaching at Rick Rack I'm doing the pattern classes I'm not pattern making but how to read a pattern I teach sewing there as well so I'm kind of getting into it the more I teach it the more I'm working with people showing them how to sew, the more it makes me feel like getting back in it. So I've actually pulled out my sewing machine and my drafting tools. So stay tuned. I am going to be creating something. <laughs> well, maybe just in time for us. You know, we haven't done a um, we haven't done that wonderful Baldes Artiste that we did with you in a few years. Awesome. We had too many other competing things that had to get done, but uh, it's on my list. And uh, I, I was thinking I was going to do it this carnival season, but it's not going to happen because I've, I've been working on this strategic plan for the city's cultural economy, and I'm dying to finish it. And I'm, I'm just doing nothing else right now but doing yeah. that. So once I get see. finished with that, we're going to do another Baldes Artiste. So oh, that was speaking. Cool. I'll tell you what I did recently, though. I did a uh, art Latin art show. Um, it was called... Uh, Artistas Unidos or something at the Jazz Fest Gallery. Um, okay. A friend of mine has put on there and it was great. I, I put on this this huge ball gown that I had um, that I had done for Fashion Week New Orleans and a show that they had at the at the Presbyter, the Cabildo. And so I used that same gown and I entered it. And wow, that really inspired me too to see people's faces light up and go, oh, you made this? Wow, you know. I like that feeling. I got to admit, I love the feeling of people looking at you like. No I, had, I had that feeling for a, um, an, a Hermes ball when I wore my uh, blue tarp gown Ooh. that had been made for me um, uh, right after Katrina. And that was a blast. People got a very big kick out of that. Wow. Yeah. 
And you you remember when people were doing clothes out of blue tarp? That was a lot. Oh, I think there's some more tarps around because we just re recently had a hurricane. Isn't that true? That's true. Yeah. They're all over the place. Yeah, and I found out yeah. just recently. I I couldn't figure out how come we have so many blue tarps on our houses still. And uh, partly it's the, you know, getting the contractors to do it, but there's also apparently the, um, what do you call it, uh, when you have to pay down a certain amount before you can get the, so that is yeah, too the deductibles, the deductibles are too high for many people. And so that's been uh, slowing that process down. But let, let me go to how would you characterize Aside from that, that incredible inspiration you just talked about coming out of Mardi Gras and the beautiful ball gowns, but how would you characterize the fashion scene in New Orleans? Because I kind of think like we have a lot going on, but we still haven't really captured the national attention that we should as a fashion market. We have some amazing designers who've come out of here who made it big. You know, your Liz Claiborne's, your Philip Trichy, is that how you pronounce his name, the hat maker? And um, uh, the the people who did the the belt buckles, I forget their name now. The jewelers. Uh, I that think it's hard. We need the support here. From we need this financial support. A lot of us are working part time jobs. We have like our you know different hustles because we have to pay those high rents, right? In my case, I have a mortgage. I'm, I got lucky where I can. I, my my mortgage is not that high. But we have to have different hustles, and it's really hard to just focus on that one thing. If I was living in my mother's basement, I would not just be sitting around. I would be trying to be something bigger than myself. As far as trying to be, if you know, if I'm a creator or something, I would try to be the best that I could be, and even get out there and do even more. And because I will have the time, right? But I think here right now, what we have is people working at so many different gigs to survive that you can be, and there's a lot of, I found that there's a lot of little, there are a lot of artists in different pockets here, people that make so make clothing. So if I was to put on a fashion show, I know where to find them and bring those people up, but how do they make it out into the national arena? I think it's, it'll be difficult. You know, it's difficult for them. Even, I mean, I guess a lot of people are working in movies now, right? They're doing costuming or working as extras. Um, and like myself, I work a part-time job and I teach sewing and to sit down and make a collection where I could take to New York and do a New York Fashion Week to show, to become this thing that comes out of New Orleans. It's hard here. It's not that easy. And I, and plus myself speaking for myself, I'm, I, I'm not saying I'm too old to really like get out there and do all this. It's just for, for the young people today, if you're living at your mother's house, and you're designing, get out there and do more. You know, if, you, if you're working and you're working part-time or full-time, but you wanna create, you wanna continue making things and you wanna do something bigger than yourself, it's really hard here. I mean, we don't have the support system that people, I mean, I know yeah. um, in a cultural economy and Jazz Fest and different places had grants for artists and stuff like that, but it's not enough. I, I think what, Allison is doing it Rick Rack right now where they have kind of like an incubator where you pay a certain fee and you go in and if you don't have space to cut and sew and, and make your designs, she has everything you need in there, right? Which I is mean, great, you don't have to pay for it. 
I need you to send me contact information because I should probably uh, talk to her, interview her at some time too. But all right, well, let's give it all those limitations um, and, and, you know, the, the, the trauma of losing your resources, your fabrics and your, um, your um, uh, totally. everything. Um, I, how do you see uh, yourself coming back? And I know that you go to sleep and your mind is, is, is working through ideas. I know how that is. And, and, and actually what I find really weird is when you wake up in the morning and there's some idea that it pops out in front of your eyes and it's like, where did that come from? And it's your unconscious that has been working for you while you're asleep. We talk about our unconscious, it's but working. there are mornings I wake up and there's something that just comes out whole from my brain room saying, whoa, yes. thank you, unconscious. Believe it or not, I've been having dreams lately of fashion shows, like actually being at an event and putting my shows together and looking at people's faces, smiling and having a good time at these shows and and just not just my fashion, but other people's fashions that are involved in putting a show together. Wow. Um, it's I do dream. I have been dreaming about it. And I think it's more because I've been teaching a lot more. And when we make a garment, when I'm teaching somebody how to sew, and we actually make of something. I go, wow, I should, I'm sitting here teaching people how to sew. I should be at home sewing myself. I've, you know, I've, I'm seeing visions of, you know, after that, I did that second line on Sunday and I saw all those outfits and just, I mean, it almost feels like I'm, I'm jealous, but what am I jealous about? I should get out there and start sewing. I can make that outfit. You know, I can make what, that gown. What did you tell me about what you saw? You're talking about the Treme Festival that was just this past Sunday, right? I did, but they also had the the mayors off. The mayor was on a float. They had floats as well. It was a little different, yeah. unexpected surprise to see, but people were dressed up. And I mean, and you see the people in the street themselves are the inspiration for things that you want right. to do. People right. here dressed, and you know, <laughs> you got to find inspiration. Talking about street fashion, huh? Yeah. I, and I'm inspired. I think I'm inspired. I. I, I, every day in my mind, I'm making something and I'm drafting it, but I can't seem to pick up that ruler and the paper and pen and start putting it to paper. Um, it just, Carolina, I, you've got to do that. You've got I to know. do that. You just got to do that. You Nothing. know what they say, you know, just do it. You've got to do it. I, I, to. I'm inspired. I think um, there's inspiration all over New Orleans and um how would you describe how would you describe those uh, some of those uh, co costumes that you saw from the second line parade, whether it was uh, costumes or just people being dressed up in the streets because man, that was a big that was a big second line. That was one of the biggest ones I've seen. everywhere for it. Yeah. I so you know, seeing people not being afraid to wear something, right? Because when I sew when I do fashions, I make things that I wish that I could wear, but it looks better on a model, you know. Um, and I live through them. So when I see mm. when I see these women dressed up in their beautiful outfits and their legs out and just wow, you know, and the headpieces and the bling, and I'm thinking, wow, I need to get in there. Um, <laughs> I've been thinking of making a Zulu gown, but I only have what two weeks. So we'll see if I get to make in a two weeks. You can do it in two weeks. 
I know, but I need rhinestones and glitter on it. So I don't know. I haven't made up my mind if I'm even going to Zulu with this pandemic. I'm just, I'm shocked that I was in that second line and thank God I'm not like sick <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, you can organize. Uh, Zulu has a, is it a big space as a rule. I don't know where it is this year, but it, it's it's usually got plenty of space. So, um, and you know, I'm I'm not one to tell people to go be indoors during the pandemic. I've had my COVID this this winter for Christmas, so um, you know, I'm, maybe I'm being a little cavalier about it. But I think you can do it, and um, I think if you did that gown for Zulu, you would open the door. You would be off and running. I'm on my lunch break. Hold on a second. I'm not going to answer right now because I am on my lunch break. Listen, so. we're going to, we're going to, we're almost finished anyway, because we're kind of up on our time. But um, I want you to, um, I want you to promise me that you're going to do that gown for Zulu. And I want you to take pictures or little videos of it. Okay. Send it to me, I'm going to run it in my newsletter, and uh, and 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 sing your praises in the newsletter. Oh my and, god! Because uh, you know how much I, I love your work. I know I know you. what you do. And you have, been, you have been instrumental in a lot of us artists here in this town as well. So I, I, you you inspire me to get creative as well. So I think you're the push I needed. And so I need the push and I'm going to do it. You guys. Okay. And you sent me some, I want to tell you what's ironic. Things happen in a weird way. So uh, my husband has an art show up right now called Red Art, right? And it's all over the garden. And he, he was thinking this morning about how he wanted to find somebody who would model some red clothes. And he was on the, on the, I, on the YouTube looking for, a red red dress music and he found um i forget the name of the guy because i'm not familiar with him but it was something about uh i love this woman in the red dress and um and then i got your pictures that you sent me with the red. red i just couldn't believe it i said how do things happen like this i mean there's just too many things we don't know about the world and how it works and and there was your red stuff it's going to be in my newsletter y'all listening to the radio show i know i don't promote it enough but we have a newsletter and it's called crosstown conversations if you want to sign up for it just go crosstownconversations.com or go to gene nathan you can find me and um uh, you'll see uh, you'll see the red the red things that uh, Carolina galloped in. Carolina, I'm counting on you for the Zulu gown. I just lost your audio, huh? I, that was a recycle piece I did for Rick Crack for one of their fundraisers. Actually, it's yeah. gone. It's an auction. Somebody bought it. So well, it's just it was a, a, great to see it. As my husband was talking about it. Um, Rick Rack, you send them send me information about Allison. I want to check in with I her. Will. Okay, but, good. Um, I, I'm gonna uh, look for your uh, picture in the paper for Zulu. <laughs> uh, okay, right. King is my ex-neighbor in, in the lower night, so I gotta call him to get a ticket. <laughs> All uh, right. Later. It won't be hard. You get in there. Thank okay. you so much. You have a great, great Mardi Gras, great carnival season. Thank you too. Thank Bye, you. Be creative. Bye. Bye. So Gene Nathan for Cross Sun Conversations and WBOK. Um, enjoy. <laughs>